We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. That's Eric Berniker, and we are going to be giving you your Oregon football fall camp updates. Been a little bit since we had Eric uh, on the podcast, so we definitely wanted to bring him back on and get some of his perspective because he is there on the ground. This is uh, for Ducks Digest right now. Um, but before we get into today's show, Eric, how's everything going, man? Things are great. Um, once again, thank you for having me on the show. Um not too too much to talk about given that the ducks are yet to take the field against an opponent but oh i'm having a little bit of trouble hearing you eric um i don't know what happened there um we were just good two seconds ago um how about you hop out and then come back in and we'll see if we can hear you then sounds good all right so we're gonna we're gonna ad lib a little bit while we wait for uh eric to join back in here um not sure what was going on there um because I literally just heard him, like I said, like two seconds ago. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, but, yeah, Ducks are wrapping up uh, this week of practices for fall camp in the near future. Uh, they're practicing in just about an hour and a half, and Eric will be back there. Looks like we got him. Let's see if we can hear him. We can. Eric, I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Yes, we are good. Sorry about All that. All right. Love it. No worries. Well, but, yeah, so Eric's back here. Uh, we're live on YouTube at youtube.com slash Oregon Football Max Taurus. So uh, if you guys are tuned in live on YouTube, wanted to say thank you to you for tuning in. Um, we have some you know big points that we want to hit on in today's show, but later uh, in the show, we're thinking we maybe go about an hour. We definitely want to get some Q&A. So if you guys have a question about Oregon football or recruiting, definitely throw it in the live chat, and we will do our best to get to it. Um but we are going to get into our first story of the day, uh, which is definitely an exciting one. Um, as this game against Georgia gets closer day by day, uh, the Oregon Ducks have released uh, the pictures of the cleats they're going to be wearing in game one. So I'm going to go ahead and throw that up on the screen. So here are the, the cleats for Georgia, uh, the ones that Oregon will wear here in the opener. Just 15 days out, the Oregon Vapor Edge 360 VC, uh, you know, with covering a school like Oregon, Nike U. I mean, we had to talk about this. Uh, Eric, just give me some of your thoughts here off the top. Um, I like it. I'm excited. So, I mean, obviously, we're Oregon, we're Nike. Um, it's been a thing for a long time. I just like when the Ducks wear green and yellow. I think it bodes nicely. Um, just traditionally speaking, when the Ducks do too much with the uniform, 
be it wearing uh, navy blue against Washington or uh, when they went with like the green or when they changed colors, uh, when gray against LSU, like that doesn't work for me. I like when they wear the green and yellow. I think they play better when they look like the Ducks. I'm excited to see some green and yellow on the cleats. I think it's a good look. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I really like these cleats. Uh, I think we, I, I can kind of echo your sentiment about how Oregon's kind of changed things up a little bit in the past uh, and maybe gone away from some of the traditional colors. Uh, I believe the last time they wore gray was against Washington State in 2017, 2018. Um, but those are the ones, like the Lewis and Clark uniforms, those are the ones that, that I'm thinking about. Uh, and then they obviously wore white and gray against Ohio State, the national championship. So doesn't seem like the right time to go away from your, your you know, traditional colorway. But I really like these, the attention to detail. Uh, it seems like it's a little bit of a darker green than they've worn in uh, recent years. Uh, so I think that that's a really nice touch. Uh, I like the kind of uh, striping design that you can kind of see here. Uh, I guess it's like kind of like it almost looks like metal slates and like the yellow is beneath it. Um, and then uh, they also have, you know, the the duck studs here, uh, you know, duck pattern uh, that they've started to use more recently in their uniforms. And we've seen it a little bit uh, around the Hatfield Dowling Complex practice facilities. So I think overall just uh, a really nice touch. And man, I'm getting excited to see what these uniforms look like. So uh, definitely a good job by the Oregon social media team, you know, just kind of teasing us a little bit and, and giving us a little something to, to nibble on, you know, as we wait to, to see what the full uniforms look like probably come game week against Georgia. Yeah, you got you got to love the theatrics. If you're Oregon, you have this many jersey combinations. Why not have some fun with it and release just the cleats separately a couple weeks before they look good? I'm sure the rest of the fit's going to be great. So just exciting all around for Duck fans. More merch to buy in the future. Yeah, the, the hype continues to build for this opener against Georgia. Some of the uh, non-conference uniforms that Oregon's used in the past, you had the, uh, the all-whites against uh, Ohio State from last year, which were really clean. Uh, well, I guess mainly white with, you know, some green accents. And then you had the nightmare green against uh, Auburn back when Bo Nix was their quarterback in 2019. Um, so uh, no shortage of, of, of great uniforms for, for Oregon. And uh, I think these ones are definitely going to be uh, some exciting ones once we get to see the full picture. Absolutely. I just hope at some point throughout the season we'll get the phone posits back. Yeah, that that would be cool. We will have to see what uh, Oregon has in store for the, the rest of the year. And any final comments, you know, just on uniforms or, or these cleats, Eric, before we move on? Not too much to say. I just like when they keep it to green and yellow, typically. Let white and black can be thrown in there. But when we look like the Ducks, we play like the Ducks. Or at least that's that's what I've seen in the past. So excited by a good Oregon um, color scheme. So excited to see what product they put on the field, more importantly. Yeah, well, let's talk about that on-field product uh, a little bit. Um, we did get a, a pretty significant, uh, you know, uh, update, kind of more so in the beginning of the week, but I think that it's really carried throughout the week. Uh, it kind of feels like uh, Oregon football, based on what, you know, we're seeing and hearing that uh, Oregon's kind of turned the corner here in, in fall camp. Uh, earlier in the week, uh, Dan Lanning said that the Ducks had probably their best practice of, uh, of fall camp. And he was saying that it feels like he's starting to see guys taking ownership of what practice looks like. And it seems like the pieces are kind of starting to come together uh, for this team heading into 2022. What, what were your thoughts, you know, hearing those things from Dan? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they had their first scrimmage last Saturday. And it seems like that opportunity to really hit and get physical play and more game speed like setting 
has really invigorated the team. Um, prior to that, I think we had Crocker come out of a practice one day. It's not the worst thing in the world for a player to be honest and say like, hey, today we're a little sluggish at certain times. But since then, they've been coming out every day, just so excited, talking about um, that Dan Lanning motif, getting 1% better every day. The guys are just coming out with such a enthusiasm after practice, and the coaches have it too. So it's a good thing because we don't know how they're playing. Um, media only sees the first 20 minutes where they're, they're flying around, but it's just good when everybody comes out every day with that same energy that they seem to be excited. That first scrimmage seems to really put some uh, air under the team's wing, so to speak. Yeah, and, and I think another thing too that um... – I think it was Chase Coda and a little bit more from landing that they talked about was just kind of handling how they respond to that first day back after an off day, uh, you know, getting, getting the bumps and bruises taken care of, you know, resting up a little bit, but then still having that intensity after taking the day off. So I thought that was some interesting insight. Um, and Coda also added that he just feels like the energy has elevated between practice periods, between sessions, um, so there, there's just a lot of excitement around this team now. And there's a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, this team still has to learn, right, or that they have learned throughout fall camp because you have a new offense, a new defense. We're going to get into some defensive updates uh, as we got to hear from defensive coordinator Tosh Lapoy. Uh, but I think, you know, we're right around the halfway mark in, in, in fall camp. So uh, it seems like if you can find the right time to turn a corner that, you know, around that midway point is pretty solid. Yeah, absolutely. I think that from the coaches, at least, it's been a very measured gauge of how the team's doing. Um, they just keep talking about that 1% every day. And like, it seems really, they're obviously shooting for a big performance against Georgia, but this is not just a one-off prepare for one game and then the rest of the season's over. They have longer term goals in establishing a whole organization. So they're trying to get the team all bought in on the concept of like progression throughout the entire season and throughout the entire landing era, this entire tenure. So it's a good thing. Um, they seem to be mature and approaching things the right way in terms of trying to just improve throughout and not just like rush it for one game. So it's really promising the way that they talk about each player and their progression, how they're not just excited for what they're going to do on week one, but on week 10 and through the season. Yeah. And I like that you brought up that point, Eric, because it kind of reminds me a little bit about what we were hearing last year in fall camp. Um, more specifically, I guess, uh, between week one and week two uh, from Fresno state to Ohio state is that, the players and the coaches, they, they realized and were aware that this wasn't just one game, but it's so easy, you know, from an outside perspective, you know, from a fan perspective to just get so hyper-focused on one game, um, seeing that it, it means so much for the future of the program. Uh, after they got that win over Ohio State, we obviously saw how that really kind of shot Oregon up in the rankings and, and they were at the forefront of the college football uh, playoff discussion for quite a while, obviously, until things kind of started unravel against Utah. Uh, but uh, but good to hear about Oregon just having bigger goals than just this game against Georgia, um, because, you know, win or lose, you, you can't get too high or get too low based on what happens in that week one result. Like you have a whole nother schedule to play and, um, you know, what they want to do is not ultimately going to be determined by that one game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the college football playoff, you have typically one, maybe two teams who come in undefeated. Um, but most of the teams come in with a loss or a two loss team. So it's good that the coaches and the program seem to be focused on the entire season and not just rushing it about one game. Um, there's more to it, and they know they have to play an entire season. So excited to see what product what product they're going to put on the field. Yeah, I think, and, and they're taking those steps in the right direction based on what we're seeing and hearing. But again, we can only take away so much from you know limited uh, media availabilities and and you know viewing periods of practice. So uh, I mean, we're going to have a whole bunch to talk about once they actually take the field and play their first game against somebody not in the green and yellow. 
so we'll, we'll see if they can keep that momentum going throughout the remainder of fall camp through these scrimmages. Um, I know that we, the, the media got access to one scrimmage uh, last season. So maybe that'll be next weekend uh, that, that uh, media will get to go and have a bit, a longer viewing practice or viewing session. Um, so fingers crossed for that. Um, how about we move on to our next topic, uh, which is Tosh Lapoy and the Oregon defense. We got to hear from Oregon's defensive coordinator on Thursday following practice in Eugene. Um, and we have a couple of notes that we wanted to get into. Um, Eric, what were kind of some of your, you know, early takeaways just from your, your conversations with, with uh, Tosh and kind of hearing what he had to say to reporters? Well, I mean, the most obvious takeaway is you got the quote, Tosh Lapoy said it. Brandon Dorless is the alpha of our defense. And that is, it's monumental and it's not. It, I mean, it could be two things. I mean, this Oregon defense, they've talked so much about how it's versatile. They have players all over in every position that can affect the game in different ways and make plays. Um, but at the same time, it's good to have an alpha. It's good to have a guy who you can look at and say that this guy is the one who's the model of what we want in our program. And I thought additionally, it was really interesting that the points that he made about why Dorless was the alpha weren't necessarily because we, we all wanted to prod. Is he the vocal leader? Is he like cultivating something crazy? Does he have the guys like working that much harder? He's just focusing on himself. He's, he's working hard and he's setting that standard that when, if, when he puts in the work and he does it, it's going to translate to the rest of the guys. And that's what we've seen so far. And that's what we've heard. Every player's echoed it. We asked the rest of the team about it. Like how's Dorless embodying being the alpha? And they say that he's just working and it makes everybody else work. And I think that it's a healthy, um, positive relationship around the team. Yeah, I, I be, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it Tony Tuioti that said that first and then Tosh confirmed it? Or I just wanted to clarify. You're, around entirely, with it. you're entirely right. Um, got my names mixed up. So it was, it was Tuioti said it first. Tuioti called him the alpha. And Lapoy just agreed with him. Um, and like, if there's not too much of an emphasis on being the alpha, but what it means is that somebody, and he's inspiring other players to do it too, or not just him, but they're all inspiring each other. Everybody's putting in that extra effort. And that's what they're talking about. So. It's very, very promising on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, and, and I think the reason that I was a little bit surprised or rather intrigued to hear that is because when you think of this Oregon defense, uh, aside from Kayvon Thibodeau, I think you you naturally gravitate to Noah Sewell. Um, but Sewell isn't uh, you know as experienced or as old as, as Dorless, so Dorless has been doing it for longer. But I think most people would agree that, that Noah is the, the top player on that defense. Um, but I think it's good for Oregon to, to have Brandon Dorless, you know, kind of in this spotlight um, and uh, and having. Um, oh, it looks like my computer froze up on me. I don't know. You can start. OK, I have no idea what's going on. Why? Uh, OK, this is really weird. I can't even see myself, but it looks like people can still see me. Um, wow, I have no control over my computer. This is really weird. Um, all right, we'll just keep going. Uh, sorry about that. Let me see if I can troubleshoot uh, once it gets back to Eric. Um, but I think it's good to have the the spotlight kind of on Brandon Dorless here because um, the Ducks really need a difference maker at the defensive line position in the trenches. They have some big-time linebackers, uh, Braden Swinson, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, Noah Sewell, Justin Flo, obviously. Um, but I think that it really starts at the point of attack, and, and that's a little bit of an area that Oregon's been lacking at, just knocking back. Uh, defensive lineman in years past. So uh, I'm really excited to see Dorless take that next step in his game because he's done it every year since he got to Oregon and kind of uh, came out on the scene in 2019. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at Brandon Dorless through the years, his body, it's crazy. He came in at 294, 
five, went down to 284 for two years, was like in the 280s, and now he's back up to 290. So he's came in big, slimmed down, and now he's rebuilt himself back up, which is just kind of shows his um, commitment to himself and just bettering himself as a football player. What was also interesting is when you talk to Dorless about, like, what does it mean to be the alpha, this and that, like, how do you take it? All he wants to talk about is the work that he's putting in, and he just wants to talk about the other people around him who he thinks aren't getting enough credit which I think is a really interesting point because he's not too concerned with his own personal accolades. He's already been named. He's been a first-team All-Pac-12 defensive player before. This is like having a spotlight is nothing new to him. The word alpha doesn't phase him. Um, he's, he's more just excited to play with the rest of the guys. He shouted out a handful of other players who he thinks are going under the radar. Trevin Nett, Mayai, um, um, Mace Funa, Bossa, just a handful of other guys. So it's really good to see that. Very promising for a Ducks fan to hear your alpha – talk about the rest of the guys who are not getting enough attention. Yeah, it's, 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 there's so many new guys that I think are looking to take that next step and then even take that, that, you know, initial step. Maybe we see some true freshmen play this year. So like, we're going to be looking for some guys to step up in the secondary, um, maybe some linebackers, you know, shining and complimentary roles. Um, but I, I was definitely encouraged to hear that about Dorless. Um, I wanted to see if I could hop out here real quick, Eric, if you could maybe uh, talk a little bit more about Tosh and I'm going to try to get back in here as soon as I can, um, because this is just really messy with my setup, but I'm going to see if I can hop back in. Um, yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, Eric is going to take it away for uh, just a little bit while I troubleshoot and I will be back as soon as I can. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, sure thing. All right. All right. We'll take a moment here. Um, so while we have Max kind of figuring out the technical aspects of what we got going on, I think it's really interesting. I've been at the uh, press conferences, media availabilities, everything they've had. And what we've really heard from Tosh Lapoy, the Oregon defensive coordinator, is that the team is progressing in the right direction. So you've got Lanning, you've got Lapoy, and they're talking all about this 1% every day. And we don't know what it looks like. We can't, we don't see the practices every day, but um, they just keep talking about this 1% every day. Um, and they, they've, what they've started to say, we're talking about them turning a corner. And that it started to show itself in practice that the players are starting to show that um, and make those progressions and play faster, which is which can, which can mean so many things on the defensive end. But what he's really stressing is um, communication and just playing the game together. Um, Shouted out pretty much the entire defense. And that's kind of my main takeaway that I came on the show to talk about. So from what I've seen, really, is that on the defensive side of the football, I mean, Oregon, what, what it seems like to me, at least, is the defense seems confident, um, and that's a really interesting point. Oh, we got Max back. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. Thanks for – Tangent. I was having fun. No worries. Uh, yeah, so what, what I was saying is what my major takeaway is when you talk about LaPoy and the defense is that the defense seems confident, and that's a really interesting thing because you have Lanning who's coming in, and he's completely unestablished as a head coach. You have LaPoy who's coming in, and he's also um, like unestablished in this, in this position at the college rank. And um, just the way that they've talked about their players has been so complimentary. And the way that the players have talked about them has also been so complimentary. It's not like you expect them to necessarily bash each other. It's an organization that works together. But um, it just seems very, very promising from what we've seen. And I mean, like, it's all speculation at this point. But so far, every player has been complimentary of every coach. And every coach has found things to talk about players. You ask a coach about one player and I'll talk about another one just because certain guys just kind of come into their mind as they – think about who's doing what right there's multiple guys doing everything right at every position which is really really promising for the Oregon defense yeah and I think that kind of goes to a bigger point that that I was going to bring up is that Oregon 
you want to have studs on your defense, but at the same time, I think the the real mark of a good defense is having that solidified depth, guys across the board that you can lean on when you need a big play, when the game's on the line. You know, you kind of want guys that maybe haven't shined in that spotlight before to to you know really materialize. And I think that's part of what Tosh Lapoy was getting into when he was asked about you know every, every practice. It feels like got where the the coaches are asked about guys that are standing out. And Tosh Lapoy was saying that right now this is a time when quote leadership starts to arise. Um, so I think that that echoes a lot of the same sentiment that we heard from this team during Oregon football media day about how they're, you know, a player led team. That's been a, a common refrain this year. So even though there are those stars, I think it just really shows that that they're on the same page and are really looking to, to mature into a complete unit. Um, so I think while we have some of those, you know, normal faces, you know, the, the common enemy, not common enemies, but the, uh, the people that we usually talk about, Noah Sewell, Brandon Dorless, uh, Christian Gonzalez is someone that's been talked about a whole lot. He made the uh, the athletics, uh, you know, what was it, top 100 freaks in college football, I think, that great piece by Bruce Feldman. Um, mm-hmm. He was one of the guys that was listed there, and he's, you know, every bit of six foot two, and a lot of people are talking about him as probably one of the fastest guys on the team in the, uh, in the secondary for sure. So I think if you're looking to a Christian Gonzalez to, to step up and, and, you know, be your true lead corner, um, and then, you know, Ben and Williams coming back, how, how does he look? We saw him a little bit in the Alamo Bowl. Um, but I just think that the more guys that Oregon can get to contribute, um, then the, that just bodes for, uh, you know, success down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are 21 minutes roughly here through this podcast. We've talked almost strictly about defense and we haven't brought up Justin Flo. I mean, granted, he hasn't played much football for the Ducks, but Last time we talked, it was it was a lot about, like, what do we see? Like, who are the stars? Who, who can we look forward to seeing? And, I mean, we talked about flow a lot. But as camp has progressed, what I've taken away, what I've realized is that it's going to be less about flow. It's going to be less about Sewell. I mean, Dorless is the alpha, but it's less about him than it is about how this whole defense is going to come together and be able to make plays um, and stop offenses from getting to the end zone. That's, that's their goal, and that's what they're going to do. Yeah, and they also want to, you know, force some takeaways for sure. Tosh Lapoy talks about those shot callers and the guys who really step up and take command of the the defense. Uh, a couple more, excuse me, a couple more points we wanted to talk about with uh, what we were able to get from Tosh Lapoy on Thursday. Uh, They're talking about putting a premium on communication, and then just back to that leadership. Another part that stuck out to me was Tosh called it an open stage for anybody to to step into that role, kind of as a leader. He wants to see the work both on and off the field. Braden Swinson was talking about guys getting there early and then, you know, taking an extra 15, 20 minutes to just sync up and get on the same page. Um, but uh, but we did get a cool update as far as where Triquez Bridges might ultimately find himself uh, fitting into this defense uh, in 2022. Tosh is saying that, um, you know, he he's playing multiple positions in fall camp, which is kind of interesting because I think that's a little bit of a storyline that's flown under the radar is where he's ultimately going to end up. He made the transition from safety to cornerback last year. Uh, now Oregon loses two proven contributors at corner and Mikel Wright and DJ James. So I'm going to be really curious to see where Triquez ultimately slides in and, and really plays a majority of his snaps. Uh, it could be corner because he played a lot of snaps there last year, but maybe it makes more sense for him to be uh, back to his you know native spot at safety where he was a ball hawk and was picking off, you know, just passes left and right in high school at Lynette where he, uh, he either set or tied a, a state record. So um, I think that I thought that was an interesting update too that we got from Tosh, just that uh, Triquez is playing multiple positions in fall camp. 
and uh, maybe that'll trickle over into the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, just an, uh, a tribute to the defense and just how this whole organization seems to be working. What you've seen um, with the Oregon defense is so many guys are versatile and can fill multiple roles. You've got Triquez, you can play safety and corner. You've got Bossa, who they've said they're going to play at linebacker, but he's still started as a safety. Um, you've got Swinson talking about he's an outside rusher, but he's talking about also playing multiple positions and doing other things. Everyone's talking about doing other things as like their main focus for what they're doing. Nobody's here to just tackle quarterbacks or just tackle running backs. Everyone's here to do everything all over the field. Um, and they're ready to play in whatever position Lapoy, um, Lanning or whatever coach tells them to play in, which is really, really exciting. All right. Well, uh, any other points you wanted to get to there just on Tosh Lapoy and what we heard from him before we move on to uh, our next topic? Um, not too much to say. Man is incredibly intense and his interviews never fail to entertain. Yeah, I think he said he's uh, utterly obsessed with the ball was one of the quotes from yesterday. So um, super excited to see what that defense looks like. Uh, as I've said a couple times, you know, Tosh Lapoy is someone that the Oregon staff and really the fans, I think, have been wanting to have on their team for quite some time. So uh, we're getting closer there. And, you know, Tosh Lapoy, he, he like he doesn't show a ton of emotion all the time when he's talking in these pressers, but he'll say some pretty big stuff. Um, so we'll have to see what that defense looks like. Uh, but this is a pretty defensive focused uh, episode. We have a couple more topics we wanted to get into. Uh, let's talk about Braden Swinson. Uh, he's the next guy we want to focus on here. Uh, we got to hear from him yesterday. Uh, before the fall camp started, he had said that he was setting a goal for the season of, of 12 sacks, which I thought was was pretty interesting to hear, um, seeing that you know Oregon's defensive line and front seven definitely struggled to get a consistent pass rush uh, throughout the season last year. But Swinson was one of those guys that did uh, you know contribute in that role. I think back to that Ohio State game when the Ducks just really needed some big plays and he was one of two guys to get a sack in that game. But other than that, C.J. Stroud had all the time in the world to pass. Um, but uh, it, Swinson was saying that things are kind of starting to click and, and, and move a little bit faster for the Oregon defense. More guys are making plays. It's not necessarily the same people from day to day. Um, so I, I thought this was you know encouraging to hear from, from Swinson. And I think he's someone that's definitely going to have a lot of eyes on him heading into this season. Yeah, I mean, Swinson's one of those guys, like all the other players, they come out, you ask him, how are things going? What's happening? He goes, I'm getting 1% better. They all come out, and that's the first thing they're going to say is that he's he's like, I'm making improvements. Like, I'm in no way ready, but I'm also getting better, and I'm getting ready. Um, he talked about he is an improved pass rusher. He said he's ready to get to the quarterback more. You said talked about his quotas for sacks. He, he said he wants 12. Um, he said it could be 15. He was joking, but he said he's ready to go sack the quarterback as many times as they're willing to let him get after it. Um, and then he talked about how he's working to improve um, his ability to set the edge and to control the run game, which is really, really exciting. So it's another one of those guys who's focusing on multiple facets of his game and going to make an impact for the Ducks here because they need him at the defensive end. Swinson listed there on the updated Oregon roster at six foot four, 233 pounds. So he's looking to, to add some more weight to, to his frame there. His athleticism has definitely been a calling card for him, something that a lot of people want to focus on. Uh, another interesting thing with Swinson, though, uh, Eric, is that I feel like a lot of people kind of, you know, whether it's fair or not, have kind of casted him in this light of, of Kayvon Thibodeau, right? You know, Kayvon Thibodeau was the go-to edge rusher uh, for Oregon, you know, pretty much from the jump, you know, once he got to Eugene. Uh, and then last year, um, you know, he battled some injuries uh, and, and wasn't as available as he wanted to. So a lot of people were looking at Braden Swinson to take that next step, seeing that he was raved about all throughout fall camp last year. But 
I think he, he, he would probably tell you that he didn't have the season that he wanted to last year, but he was saying that he was able to obviously learn a lot by, by being behind KT for, for two years. Um, and he really focused on, you know, his get off. Uh, and, and that's kind of one of the big takeaways he had from his time learning under cave on Thibodeau. Um, you talked about some of the things that he's been working on with his pass rush. He referenced a, a ghost dip, which is kind of a cool name for, for a pass rushing move. Um, but it, but it, it also isn't necessarily fair for fans to maybe put him in this light of KT because he, uh, Braden said it himself, you know, they play two totally different ways and, and they did have two different frames, uh, when, when they were both with Oregon, um, so he said that he doesn't feel pressure trying to replace KT, but he also knows that that's kind of what people want to see and are really to a degree expecting of him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you have a guy who affects games like Kayvon Thibodeau did, you're going to notice what's happening in his position when he leaves. That's just the reality of the situation. So, I mean, for Swinson to not, um, he says he's not phased, he's not nervous. I mean, that, that's really all you can ask for him. It's, it's going to be his job at the end of the day to go play football, whether Kayvon's there or not. Um, last year when Kayvon was gone, he had to step up and play big snaps. And this year, Kayvon's obviously going to be gone the entire time, so he's going to play those snaps. And, um, yeah, I mean, they talked. You, you talked about him being compared to Kayvon. He said that he really compares himself to a handful of NFL guys, which I thought was really interesting. He talked about the players who he likes to model his game after, namely um, Shaq Barrett, a real physical player. So, I mean, I think it's just good. The coaches um, and he himself just seem to be um, – focusing on what they do have and now that they don't. I think it's going to be important for fans to realize that this is a completely different Oregon defense and um, like from a game plan standpoint too. So it's going to be less about rushing from like those spots than it, um, than it was or, or landing and LaPoy are going to put everyone in positions to be as successful as possible. So we'll see what role he takes. He says he's ready to go get a bunch of sacks and it's really just going to come down to what he does on September 3rd and throughout the season. Yeah, and, and I think that, I, you know, Braden Swinson has all the potential in the world, but I feel like for me, my eyes are going to be more on DJ Johnson. I think he's he's maybe a little bit more ready to take that step. Uh, he's more experienced than uh, than Braden. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, slight Braden at all, um, but DJ Johnson also has the the bigger frame. Uh, I believe he's listed on Go Ducks at 270, um, which is interesting, 6'4", 270. Um, and that's someone who has a, a tremendous amount of athleticism and, and has shown that he can come up on both sides of the ball with big plays. But I think he's someone that is maybe a bit better situated for this role because now he's only going to be focusing on one side of the ball. So, like, let's see how much he can really ramp it up uh, when he doesn't have to worry about being a tight end. But Braden Swinson and DJ Johnson are both going to be uh, big, big contributors for this Oregon defense in 2022. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break here on the Ducks Dish podcast for those of you listening on the audio platform. Uh, so make sure you stick around because we have more Oregon football discussion after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, welcome back to the Ducks Dish podcast. We're rocking and rolling here in our live show. Wanted to say thank you guys for tuning in live. If you guys are tuned in on YouTube, uh, we're getting some questions thrown in the comments that we're going to get to later in the show, but had a couple more topics we wanted to hit on. Uh, we also got to hear from Oregon linebacker Jeffrey Bossa. Eric, um, he's someone who has also emerged. It really looks like he's embracing this role as a, a key piece of this Oregon defense. Um, I feel like he far exceeded expectations last year when he moved from safety to linebacker uh, after Oregon was stretched pretty thin on their depth there at linebacker following injuries to Justin Flo, Drew Mathis early on in the year. Uh, what are you thinking about kind of what we're seeing from Jeffrey Bossa and, and what we're hearing from him out of fall camp? Yeah, so you hit it um, in the introduction. So Boss is one of those guys who really overperformed freshman year in his freshman year. No one really expected much from him. Injuries to Mathis um, and Flo get him in at linebacker instead of safety where he's supposed to be. And he really showed that like Swiss Army knife type versatility. He's a linebacker, but he's played safety. He's fast. He gets everywhere. Um, and one thing that um, DeRuiter was talking about last se- a lot last season, at least, was that he was increasingly getting better at diagnosing plays and then making those plays. And so you saw that throughout the season. He just kept getting better and better. But now what you've heard um, from LaPoy, LaPoy gave him some uh, props yesterday, is that he's not just diagnosing plays and making them, but he's also, before the snap even happens, he's now the guy getting vocal, communicating to the defense what needs to happen. And he talked about himself. He said he wants to take a larger leadership role. He wants to be that guy in the middle of the defense, kind of quarterbacking on that side of the football, which is really, really exciting for someone who's so young and shown so much in such a little time. Yeah. And he's not the only person doing that, which is like, we've kind of been echoing this whole time is a really good sign. You know, Tosh LePoy gave a nod to Brian Addison for, for kind of resetting the defense and getting them, uh, you know, situated and in the right uh, look. Um, and then you also, I think there was a little clip from uh, practice yesterday that was posted on Twitter. And I think Brian Addison had an interception. He had a good play that, uh, that, that stood out. Um, but with Jeffrey Bossa to talk about him, uh, we just talked about Braden Swinson, but Braden Swinson said it himself, you know, it's a whole new Jeff. So he's really looking like he's poised to make that leap from year one to year two. Uh, interesting note on Bossa is that in the updated Oregon football roster, he's listed at 6'2", 212, um, which was a very similar frame to Georgia linebacker Nakobe Dean. 
Um, I believe that was kind of talked about earlier when um, Lanning was asked about kind of seeing maybe how those guys kind of stack up. But Nicobe Dean was just everywhere for, for Georgia. And I think that even though it's a little bit lighter than I might have expected for Bossa, I feel like they probably feel pretty confident playing him at that weight, um, seeing that you have the athleticism and the explosiveness and the speed to go sideline to sideline. Um, so Jeff Bossa is, is someone I'm for sure excited about. Um, and he's talking about over communicating and just kind of getting everybody up to speed. So I don't want to sing the same song too many times here, but uh, definitely wanted to make sure we talked a little bit about Jeff seeing that he was someone we had updates on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's one of those guys changed his body, got himself more prepared for that linebacker position, but also you touched slightly on Addison. I mean, just another guy, he started obviously at wide receiver his freshman year and now he's playing at the defensive side of the ball. So what I'm really interested in is the way that this coaching staff in such a short time has come in and really solidified a handful of guys in new positions and said like, this is where we think you fit best. And they seem comfortable there. And then a handful of other guys, they've been mature enough to say like, hey, we don't really know where you work best yet, but let's keep doors open. Let's work you everywhere. And uh, that's the guys like Triquez. Um, and so there's just a lot of development on both sides or yeah, both sides of the football, just with guys finding their position, finding the right body um, to be able to produce. Yeah. So we'll, I, th- and he, I think this is kind of a prove it year for Brian Addison, right? It has to be because he came to Oregon in the class of 2018 after formerly being committed to UCLA. Um, another guy out of Southern California, out of, uh, Sarah Gardena, um, which is also home to 2023 cornerback, Roger Pleasant, uh, Dakota Fields, uh, a number of guys that are on Oregon's radar on the recruiting trail. Um, so I think that, that Jeff boss is going to take that step forward and then let's see what kind of role we can, uh, you know, the Oregon ducks can find for Brian Addison here in 2022. Um, we wanted to get to some recruiting updates now. Um, so let me see if I can share my screen again. Um, a couple of guys that we wanted to talk about first one being 2024 linebacker, um, Dylan Williams, right? So Dylan Williams is, uh, like I said, a linebacker at Long Beach Poly, uh, in Southern California. He's committed to USC, but, uh, I was able to speak with him earlier this week after stopping by practice. Uh, and he said that Oregon is one of a, a, you know, a handful of teams that is, you know, still in, in touch with him frequently. Um, and, you know, a couple of those other schools were, were UCLA and uh, Georgia. He was able to visit Georgia, UCLA, Georgia Tech and, and Oregon this summer. Um, so definitely really good for Oregon to be able to get him on campus. Uh, he said he's still locked in with USC, but being a guy that's 2024, there's still plenty of time in this recruitment. And, and I would say that it's far from over. Uh, but he absolutely shined in Long Beach Poly's uh, season opener yesterday against Clovis, a game that they won 56 to seven. This dude was all over the field. Uh, he he's a little bit undersized, I guess you could say, for a college linebacker because he's 6'2", 200 pounds, Eric. But um, I think it's definitely great to to see that Oregon's in the picture here because uh, I mean a lot of the best teams in college football have rated Southern California and made that area a priority. Um, but they have their work cut out for them seeing that, uh, you know, he's already committed to USC. Yeah. I mean, um, Southern California is a place that Oregon has traditionally gone to and poached some of the best talent from the USC's UCLA's and all the SEC and everyone else who wants their talent. I mean, talk about guys like D'Anthony Thomas who come out and just completely change all of college football and they're from Southern California. So, um, the ducks have had success there before. I know Oregon's looking to get their class of 2024 rolling. And so it's just good to be in the mix um, with all the power recruiting schools, um, which is where Oregon expects themselves to be every year. So it's, it's good that they're there and expect them to, quite frankly, be there and vying for these guys' commitments. 
Yeah, and just a couple more notes on Williams and kind of his Oregon interest. He told me that he was really excited to see what the defense has in store for this year. You know, just when they brought him in for that visit, they, they gave him kind of the lowdown of what they're hoping this defense is going to look like. Um, you know, there's a lot of high expectations for the defense, obviously, after Dan Lanning uh, helped coach Georgia to a national title last year. Um, so just trying to see kind of how much of that carries over. Uh, I'm really excited to see what kind of similarities we can find between Georgia's defense last year and then Oregon's defense this year. They're obviously not going to be carbon copies of each other. I think that's one thing that's really exciting for the Oregon defense is that they're kind of taking the pieces that worked from a lot of these previous stops of the new guys. You know, obviously, uh, Tosh LePoy was recently in the NFL. Dan Lanning was at Georgia. Matt Pallage was at Baylor. Um, you know, simulated pressures are something we hear a lot about. You want to see some aggressiveness from this defense. You want to see turnovers from this defense. So, and obviously pass rush as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's good that, uh, that Oregon's involved here. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they got him back on campus for a game this year. Um, but I asked him about a couple of visits that he's hoping to take, uh, you know, down the line here. Once the dead period ends, we are in a dead period right now. Uh, in August, and he talked about wanting to get maybe out to, to Texas, to Miami. Uh, the Canes just offered him recently, uh, and then back out to LSU with uh, Dalen Austin, his teammate, the 2023 cornerback who is committed to uh, Brian Kelly and the Tigers. So that's just the the update that I wanted to, to drop real quick on uh, on Dylan Williams. You can find the full interview over on DucksDigest.com with all the quotes from Dylan Williams. And then we had one more guy that we wanted to talk about uh, with the recruiting trail, Eric, before we get to some Q&A. Uh, so let me get those highlights up, and then we will knock that out and keep rocking and rolling. Uh, I kind of feel like I like saying that a lot. I don't know. It just kind of fires me up, rocking and rolling. Uh, maybe it's my new thing. Um, but the new guy that we're going to be talking about here on the uh, recruiting trail, our recruiting update for August 19th here on the Ducks Dish podcast, Oregon may not be done recruiting the secondary. Um, and that's because looks like they're still going after Dalen Austin, the 2023 uh, lo- lo- uh, LSU cornerback commit. Uh, another really talented guy that I was able to talk to and see this week at Long Beach Poly. Um, and the reason this is interesting, Eric, is because Oregon's secondary is already pretty full in the 2023 class. You already have commitments from Bishop Orman safety, uh, Cody DeCambra, San Antonio safety, Tyler Turner, uh, Colin Gill is kind of a a little bit of a do-it-all defensive back. He's in the fold. Cole Martin, of course, is in the fold. Caleb Presley is in the fold. So it's it's kind of been the feel for a while that if Oregon is going to add anybody in the 2023 recruiting class in the secondary, it was probably going to be Roderick Pleasant out of uh, Sarah Gardena. And that's actually um, the next opponent for Dalen Austin and the Jackrabbits at Long Beach Poly. They play Sarah next week. Um, but one of the big updates that I got from Dalen is that he took one uh, one official visit to Michigan State in the summer, but he's looking to fill out the rest of his official visit schedule. He wants to take all four of those remaining trips, still locked in with LSU. But the reason this is a significant update is because he said that it looks like Oregon could be a team that is best positioned to get one of those remaining official visits one of, a couple of the other schools that were mentioned were Oklahoma um, and uh, wants to get back out to LSU as well. Uh, and then I think Penn State was another one that that's still in the picture here. So uh, maybe Oregon isn't done adding, you know, talented defensive backs in 2023. Yeah, very exciting stuff. Anytime the Ducks can get somebody on campus, you know that it's going to be 
um, kind of monumental for their recruitment process. You look at a guy like um, Dante Moore, who came to Oregon, visited one time. They said, I got to go back one time. He went back real quick and then uh, recruited. I mean, going to Eugene, you're always these guys, young, these young guys are going to be blown away by the facilities. I'm there every day. They're second to none. Um, the coaching, all of it. it. I mean, just being in Eugene, it's a very enticing place when you're there. You see all the Nike stuff. You see what Oregon has to offer. So if he, if he's going to take that visit to Oregon, it's going to be hard to rule Oregon out. Yeah, you know, it's it's nothing's done until uh, you know you sign on that dotted line. Uh, I feel like you know Austin will probably be doing that in December during the early signing period. I didn't ask him that question, but that's kind of the trend that we see now with with modern recruiting. Um, I think with Austin, kind of what stands out about his game is is the, the physicality that he brings to the table. That's something that that he really prides himself on. The speed that he has. Uh, he, he's also just a, a really good playmaker. He returns kicks for Long Beach Poly too. So he's someone that's all over the field. Uh, I think sometimes he relies a little bit too much on his physicality and then he can kind of get tripped up a little bit or, um, you know, some guys can kind of get off and get slippery, uh, get off of his coverage rather. Um, so he's, I mean, he's, he's a guy that you would definitely want to add, but if I had to kind of guess right now, I would think that Roger Pleasant is probably higher up on the board for, for Oregon at cornerback, because I mean, you're talking about speed, Eric, that's the California state record holder in the, the hundred meters. I believe it's a 10.14 time for him. Um, but uh, I'm hoping I can get out to see uh, Roger Pleasant uh, in the near future here, because I mean, that's someone that everybody's been after for quite a while and, and he's looking to do track at the next level. I mean, yeah. If talking about guys who want to do track at the next level, if you're going to play football, Oregon's not a bad option. If you're going to want to run track, I mean, Eugene just hosted the world championships of track and field Hayward field second to none for guys who are looking to do more than one sport. I couldn't think of a more um, exciting place to be than Eugene, Oregon. So um, you see the new facilities that they've got there. It's, it's going to be a hard um, thing to say no to for a guy like Roger Pleasant who has so much speed. Yeah. So we'll have to, to keep a track uh, of where Dalen Austin ends up scheduling those official visits. I'm sure we'll have updates on, uh, Ducks Digest for that. But if you guys want to see the full interview, full story uh, I had with Dalen Austin, you can head on over to SIL American for that one. But uh, with that being said, how about we start, we get into our last uh, section of the show, Eric, uh, the Q&A. What do you say? Sure. Bring it on. All right. Well, we got some here in the chat. So uh, appreciate you guys sticking around so we could get to this question comes from Mo Wins. He asks, thoughts on the running back room. Do you want to start with this one, Eric? Sure. Um, I've seen limited um, reps from the running backs. Haven't seen much live stuff. But what I've seen so far is there's depth. They got five guys on scholarship. Byron Cardwell obviously had a big year last year, um, kind of filling in when Verdell went down, kind of being that complimentary guy with Dye. And he's poised to take a step forward. You've got Sean Dollars, who's been with the team for a long time, but we've just never seen him because he's been hurt. And I, I've been very, very impressed with him. I saw him the other day. They were doing a drill. I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, running back goes out, catches a screen pass, and has to go one-on-one -on -one with a linebacker. And I saw him just completely sauce uh, Noah Sewell, just made a miss, got to the next level. Um, so much speed there for Sean Dollars also. And then you've got new guys. You've got Bucky Irving, who is a, a major rusher in the Big Ten of Minnesota. You've got Whittington. Um, just like a lot of depth there at the running back room, a lot of guys who can do different things, um, be it power running or getting speedy into the next level. Um, Seven McGee's moved to a wide receiver, but he came in as a running back. I think there's still a lot of opportunity for him to get the ball kind of in short yard situations, kind of function like a running back. They've talked a lot about him working in matchups, which makes me think that he's the type of guy you want to make him 
get a one-on-one, make someone miss and get to the next level. So it could be really, really exciting with this group of running backs. Yeah, I'm super confident about this group of running backs. Uh, You mentioned Bucky Irving. I think it's actually his birthday today. So shout out to Bucky. Happy birthday to him. Uh, Love that that, um, play with Sean Dollars that you mentioned. Uh, I think it's really encouraging to see that. He had some explosion that he showed in the spring game. Obviously, coming off of his injury, you want to see that he's kind of not losing a step. I remember Byron Carwell said in the spring, you know, uh, if if you see Sean now, you wouldn't have thought that he hurt his knee or that he messed up any kind of injury. Um, so I wonder how we're going to see those guys involved. Noah Whittington runs really hard. He was probably one of the guys I was most excited about in that running back room coming out of spring. Um, interesting side note is that both uh, Noah Whittington and Sean Dollars are both listed at 5'8 on the updated Oregon roster. So kind of to your point about having guys that can do a lot of different things, um, I think that they definitely have some explosion out of their backfield, uh, running the ball as well. Um, or sorry, catching the ball. I think that, you know, the shorter guys kind of project as the, the more efficient pass catchers, but then you have Byron Carwell uh, and Bucky Irving as, you know, some of those just ground and pound guys um, that, that you can really you know, maybe give a bunch of carries to, but I'm going to be curious to see how the Oregon running back rotation kind of shakes up uh, or, you know, shakes out as the season starts. Um, I think that, you know, Carlos Lachlan and this Oregon staff wants to kind of have a duo and then maybe have a third guy that can come in and, and kind of spell things and, and, you know, shake things up a little bit. Um, and we, we saw, um, we talked about Flo earlier. He, he had a highlight in that practice video where he, where Flo just absolutely laid out Byron Carwell. Um, so we're definitely seeing that physicality in practice. Um, so those are kind of some of our thoughts on the running back room. Anything else you wanted to add there, Eric? Um, I mean, real quick, you touched on flow blowing up Byron Cardwell the other day. We talked to the running backs. We we're like, what's it like practicing with this defense? These linebackers are so highly touted. Like, what does it mean? I mean, they just shared their excitement. They are so eager to play against someone who's not from Oregon because they're linebackers. They know that what they're going up against every day in practice, they have to shift the best of the best and they do it. Sometimes they win and sometimes they do get blown up. So they're going to be prepared for anything. Um, come September and throughout the season, they're just going to keep getting more reps against these highly touted um, linebackers. So just a lot of excitement there in the running back room. No one's really established as that this is our guy. We're not going to have a Travis die, a guy who rushes for like 200 yards a week. I don't think that's super likely, but you got multiple options and the running back room will produce. That's my yeah, prediction. They absolutely will. I think that, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a rich get richer situation, but like the, the standard has been set at Oregon that they're always going to have a bunch of talented backs kind of regardless of what the situation is. And Carlos Lachlan wasted no time getting some dudes for that running back room. So I'm excited to see who can really emerge from uh, maybe some of the new guys that join the fold. And then how, how much do we see seven McGee kind of coming in the, in the backfield? Maybe he still has some kind of role as a running back a little bit on some running plays. Uh, but Oregon's running back room is, is going to be great this year. I, I really have a lot of confidence in them. Uh, Robin said, I really love the energy of the staff and it seems like they are all on the same page. Yeah, and I think that one way you really see that is after we've talked to a lot of these coaches and heard from them, I feel like we're hearing a lot of the same sentiments that Lanning's echoing when when we're talking to him. Um, so you're seeing kind of that ideology, the the culture, you know, the I know you were writing the other day, Eric, about uh, the four pillars uh, with, with Dan Lanning. I think that that was kind of interesting to see too because that's always something that you see on the practice fields, but that was kind of a new update that we had uh, and it's kind of an example of how Lanning's really leaving his mark on this program. Program. Yeah, Robin, you, you you kind of hit it on the nose. I mean, so far we haven't seen him play yet, but all we can go by is 
what we see in our limited time and then what we hear. And so far, everyone has said the exact same things. They talk, they come out of practice and everyone's talking about getting 1% better. And they're all on the same page that no one, I don't think anyone uh, over at Oregon football is considering themselves like ready um, or like, like a finished product, but that what they're all excited for is the progression. And they all seem to be enjoying growing together. Um, like you talk about that energy, they, they don't seem like they're too anxious for anything. I got to mute myself. Um, no worries. No, they're, they're, you're entirely right. They're on the same page. They're all echoing the exact same message, which you like. No one seems to be excited about themselves personally. Everyone just kind of seems to be excited for the next guy who they're playing with, which is really, really exciting. Um, and yeah, there, there's, there's a lot to be um, excited for with the Oregon football team on both sides of the ball and special teams where the Ducks have been great for years. Yeah, special teams will be interesting too to seeing that they, uh, um, they're going to be breaking in a new punter with uh, Tom Snee stepping away from the program. Um, but they have, we just get to hear from some of the new specialists, uh, Adam Berry, uh, Alex Scales, uh, who I believe comes over from Cincinnati, unless I have those guys mixed up. Uh, but special teams is an area that they're definitely going to be looking for improvement on, uh, not necessarily in the kicking game. I thought that those were two really solid aspects last year, but in the coverage in the coverage and in the returns, I think those were both sorely lacking, uh, a season ago. Um, got a question about the Georgia matchup, uh, Trello one says who so who's covering brock bowers uh that is an awesome question because brock <laughs> bowers is no doubt going to be one of the biggest weapons that Oregon has to scheme for uh on that georgia offense um right now i i don't know man i think maybe depending on where you want to have triquest bridges if you're looking for some size and someone who can maybe try to keep up with him or maybe I don't know. Maybe Jeff Bossa. I think Jeff Bossa is probably one of the stronger linebackers in terms of coverage because of his, you know, agility and speed. Um, so maybe those are some some guys to to say early. Um, but they're definitely going to have their hand, hands full covering uh, covering Bowers. What do you think? Yeah, um, those are the two guys who came to mind for me. Bossa and Bridges. This is the benefit of the Oregon defense. Is what they have going for them. They got guys who can play in different positions. This is the problem that a guy like Brock Bowers, a big physical fast tight end, can pose. Um, for a defense. So they've got multiple guys who can play different positions. They've got guys who are fast. They've got guys who are big. Um, the Ducks also have guys who can hit really hard. So, I mean, like you expect Sewell and Flo to get in there and mix it up with him. Um, so, I mean, they got options for people who can cover him. He's definitely going to require a ton of attention. Um, just thinking about the Georgia receiving core, we've seen uh, we've seen, um, what's his name? George Pickens. I mean, we've just seen him at the NFL level, just absolutely tearing it up. So I have to think that um, maybe a little bit of a uh, comfort for the Oregon defense, know that they don't have to go up against that monster um, as well. Um, Georgia obviously is still going to be loaded at every position, but Bowers of course is um, he's going to be a game changer. So we'll, we'll really have to see what happens there, but the ducks do have options. Yeah. And then another injury update that's probably worth mentioning for Georgia is that a uh, wide receiver, Arian Smith uh, suffered an ankle injury um, last week that is expected to require surgery. According to a report from Palmer tombs of, dogs HQ. So maybe we'll have to see Georgia, you know, mix things up a little bit with, with their offensive weapons, but they probably have the deepest group of tight ends in the entire country. Darnell Washington, Oscar Delp, uh, some other names that you have to mention when we're talking about the Georgia tight ends. Um, let's see. We had another question here uh, from Trello is Dante Manning starting opposite side of Gonzalez. Uh, that's kind of what I would think is probably the idea uh have you been able to see any of the the corners you know kind of maybe a little bit of that rotation at fall camp eric um seen just a bit i mean that's what we can expect manning and gonzalez were the two marquee corners they brought out at media day they've kind of been the two guys who have been in rotation 
um, from what we've seen, but they've also been super complimentary of the other guys. Um, Florence, um, blanket on the other name, but they, I mean, they, they've been complimentary of the other guys. But we can expect it'll be Manny Gonzalez. Dante talked uh, extensively about his um, like eagerness just to step up and take advantage of the opportunity that's now more or less his with the departure of DJ James and Michael. So, I mean, you, you can expect Dante Manning to be there. And also, I think you can expect him to produce. This is a five-star guy who can do a lot of things, possesses a ton of athleticism. So, I think it's an exciting time for Oregon at corner, especially as you get this new defensive regime. Yeah, and I, and I think for Dante, you know, he he's battled a little bit of injury since getting to Oregon. Um, but he's he's had the snaps at this point. You know, he pretty much split those CB2 snaps with Triquez last year for a majority of the season. So, it's not like this is a young guy that doesn't have the experience. You know, he's played the snaps, he's been on the field, and he knows, I think, what's a, what's expected and required of him. So I think he should be able to take the next step uh, moving forward here uh, going into next year. But uh, we had Florence there as well. Avante Dickerson's another guy. Jalil Tucker, Kamari Terrell. Um, Kamari Terrell might be the fastest guy on this team just based off of all the GPS times that we're seeing uh, Jaworski Beckham uh, tweet out uh, these days. But I think that that's probably what seems like is going to happen. And, and I think that's ultimately what you want to have happen. If, if you're this Oregon defense that you can be confident enough in Dante Manning's growth to trot him out there as, you know, the, the next guy to start opposite of, of Gonzo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just, just a lot to be excited. I mean, you, you talked about the uh, GPS speed that they've had. Everyone at media day said that Gonzalez was the fastest guy on the team. And then you're saying that, since they've started releasing the GPS times, we've got Kamari Terrell out here posting faster times. So it's good to see competition. Everyone wants to get in on being the fastest guy on the field. And that's something that we've become accustomed to Oregon football playing really, really fast. Yeah. Speed's always been a theme for Oregon football. And I don't expect that to change anytime soon, especially with the players that Landing and his staff are recruiting. Uh, well, we're going to go ahead and wind down on this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Before we get out of here, Eric, where can people find more of you, uh, whether it be social media or, you know, writing? um twitter it's all going to be on twitter at eric berniker spelled just like you see it there um yeah follow on twitter go read articles for ducks dish duck tv and daily emerald um once again appreciate you having me on the show yeah no thanks for coming on eric always great to get your perspective uh you know you boots on the ground coverage uh if you guys want to find more of me you can follow me on twitter at m sports that name also right there on your screen and check out some of the recent episodes that we've had of the ducks dish podcast oregon's really picking it up on the recruiting trail recent commitments from kenyon sadiq as well as Jaden moore so we have episodes on both of those guys uh that you definitely want to go listen to and then if you guys are still here Take a second out of your day, smash the like button and smash the subscribe button. That's a tremendous help to what we're doing. And make sure you hit that notification bell so you don't miss out on future live streams and future episodes of the Ducks Dish podcast. And share the show. Share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, family, other Duck fans. Um, you know, Steal some phones and subscribe to the channel and the, and the podcast. Uh, but don't do anything too crazy. Um, don't want anyone actually getting in trouble. Uh, but yeah. That'll do it for us here on this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Thanks to Eric for hopping on and giving us some of his time. Thank you, you guys, for supporting. And we will see you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.